we have been on a journey of an invitation into a story that is the season of Advent. I I talked about at the very beginning of this, and, and I always come back to this every year, that sometimes what tends to happen in our lives, what tends to happen in our culture, is that as we come to Thanksgiving, as we make the move from Tom Turkey to Santa Claus, that we tend to turn the next few weeks into just kind of like little Christmases. We just sort of think of it as a way that we're beginning to celebrate and, and it just sort of like all becomes one big thing at the end of the month, but it's all this one big celebration of Christmas. And there's tension in that. It's why, you know, most of us, you know, we get to Labor Day and they start playing Christmas songs at the store and you're like, what are you doing? It's not time for this yet. And then, you know, it keeps going on and it gets worse and it just, it just keeps going like that. I actually saw this transition take place. We were at Target one day and, you know, we heard one song and then it switched over to Christmas and it didn't go back. And I was like, okay, I guess we have made the switch and it is before Halloween. What is happening? At least let us make the transition. At least let it take place, right? And then that transition takes a place again and it takes place this prior, uh, this prior week, right? So Christmas happens and we're celebrating with family and, you know, we're all excited, you know, things are great and we're, we're, we're singing Christmas carols and then, you know, the next day comes and, and in other, uh, other places around our world, they have Boxing Day, so they continue to celebrate Christmas, but no, not in America. We have Take the Tree Down Day. That next day, there's some of you are like, now listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just tell you right now that some of you are like this and I know you're like this, that you wake up the day after Christmas and you look around and you go, what are all these decorations still doing up? And you're out there and you're pulling stuff down. If, if it wasn't so cold, you'd be on the roof taking out the Christmas lights because you're like, what? This is, this is ridiculous. This isn't the way that this is supposed to be. And so that we actually see this even in, in places. We were at a, a pet store this week and we're, we're walking through and, and, and I heard, I think it was Mariah Carey's Christmas, you know, the, the, whatever the annoying one is, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, so we're listening to the Christmas songs and I'm like, oh, this is great. We're still in the Christmas spirit. And then it switches over. And Madonna comes on, and I'm singing along, and all of a sudden I go, wait a minute, this isn't a Christmas song. What just happened? The next song comes on, and it's not a Christmas song, and I'm like, oh, I guess we're done. I guess we're just finished. I guess it's just time for this to be over. We're just moving on. And that tends to be what happens. But I want to tell you that there is something different that we're supposed to join in with this story. I'm going to try to fix that, Derek. I think it might be me popping here. And if it keeps doing it, I'm just going to be done because we're just going to do this here. Let's just see what that does right there. Maybe there's just some feedback or some some kind of uh, interference. But let's just, we'll try to continue on. Um, So this tends to happen, this, this kind of like lead up and then this switch over. But there's a different way to approach it. The season of Advent invites us into a different kind of story. Rather than moving straight on into Christmas, It asks us and invites us into a story of promise, into a story of hope, into a story of expectation, into a story of waiting. It's the story that we find in the scriptures, and Advent tries to bring us into that, of these people that had hope, that were waiting for the Messiah to come, that had expectation for him to enter this world, for things to be different and for things to change. And so there's this hope, there's this expectation, there's this yearning. And so sometimes what happens in us is I think we get to Christmas and we're like, oh, I'm just done. I'm ready for this to be over. But it's because we begin to celebrate so early and we miss the expectation, we miss the hope, we miss the yearning. 
So in this season, I invited us into this story. And we looked at some of these passages and we looked at these stories of hope and of waiting. And it was hard because I love to tell the stories about, I, 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 love, I love to go through the different characters of Christmas. I love to talk about all the different pieces that we see in the manger themes. But, 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 but instead, what I wanted us to do is I wanted us to enter the story. I wanted us to be invited into the story. And then what that does is that, that story of expectation, that story of, of promise, that story of hope, that story of yearning and waiting begins to prepare us and get us ready for Christmas so that we come to that moment. We have all of that understanding of the waiting for the hope of the Messiah that has taken place. And we see that we are invited into that story. And so last week, on Christmas Eve, we read that story. We read as that hope came alive through Jesus at that manger scene. We see Jesus come into this world as the Messiah, the Savior. The shepherds come. They see the king and they worship. And we're invited into that moment. And what's cool is the story doesn't stop there. The story continues and so as we read on, as we're going to do today, we get to see how that story continues for us today. And I want to read this. It's, it's from Luke 2. It says, the story moves on after the birth of Jesus. So let's continue. Let's see where this goes next. In Luke 2, it says this. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, I want you to see what's happening in the story. Sometimes we read these stories, and we just kind of skim through it, and we go, oh, that's a nice story. Oh, that's a nice part of Christmas. Oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. But I want you to see what's happening here. That Jesus is born. There's a requirement by the law. They're to go to the temple. They're to go to Jerusalem. They're to present Jesus as every child would be presented, dedicated to the Lord in those moments, a sacrifice brought to the temple. And as they're coming into the temple, there just happens to be a man there named Simeon. Simeon, again, listen to these words, who was uh, righteous and devout. He was a follower of God. He, he, he understood. He followed this. He, he was waiting. And this goes on. It says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, which is a huge statement in the scriptures. Because unlike what we understand after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon all people. In that time, in that age, in that understanding, in those days, the Holy Spirit was present on certain people at specific times, in certain ways, in certain moments. In Simeon, was full of the Holy Spirit. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So I want you to imagine this. Simeon's walking around, he's talking to people. He says, I have something to tell you. Now, I don't know if he told other people this, but imagine walking around with this and you're, you're, you have this understanding, you have this, this belief. God spoke to me. Your friends look at you and they go, did he really? 
Yes, he did. He said, I will not die before I see the Messiah. And they said, are you kidding me? We've been all waiting and hoping with expectation for the Messiah to come. And you think that you're going to see the Messiah before you die. And he says, yes, I believe I will see the Messiah. There was a young woman, maybe 13, 14 years old. Visited an angel came to her and said, you will carry the Messiah. You will be the mother. And she carries this child. Can you imagine the people looking at her going, what? God told you, what? And you believe that that's going to happen in your life. An angel comes to Joseph and says, your fiance is carrying this child. You will call him Jesus, Joseph. That's what you will do. You will raise him. Another woman named Elizabeth, angel comes and says, your son, you give birth to a son. He he will give us a a message of repentance to people. He, He will lead the way for this Messiah to come. And all these people, young and old, telling the way that God was working in their lives. And everybody looked and said, are you sure? So we come back to Simeon. We see that he says, God has told me, I will see this Messiah. I will not die before he comes. Then it says, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. <laughs> Again, the Spirit moves him. He, he knows there's something he's supposed to do. And some of you have felt this before. Some, some of you have experienced something like this, where you knew something was taking place that you can't explain. You just know that God was in that. You can't explain why. You don't understand what was taking place. You just know that God was pushing and moving you towards that. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. Now, I don't mean to make trite of this, but you know how much I love my pacers. You know how much I love to watch basketball. And you know that there will come a day when they will enter that promised land, they will hold that trophy, and I will stand up and I will go, God, you may take me now. Because it has finally happened, I am ready. And that is exactly what happens here with a whole lot more religious and holy things going on. Simeon says, God, you may take me now. Because I have seen the Messiah. Friends, I know this sounds crazy, but that's how we should all feel when we follow Jesus. We should all be ready to see our king at any moment, at any time. God, I am ready. Man, I love this life. I am so thankful for my family. I'm thankful for this church. I am thankful to be in this world. But if Jesus called me home, yes, Lord. I am always ready to see Jesus. So imagine Simeon as he's holding this baby and he says... You may take me home. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. And then he says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And then he goes on and it says, the child's father and mother 
marveled what was said about him. Which seems kind of a strange thing to say because we look at it and go, wait, 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 they knew. You've heard me talk about the song, Mary, Did You Know? And you know my complaint about that, that Mary, did you? Of course she knew. She was told who he would be. She knew as she waited for him to be born. Yes, Mary knew. Joseph, did you know? Yes, he knew. The shepherds knew. They all knew what was happening. So why are they surprised? Is this one of those moments that Mary and Joseph forgot? Did they think it was all a dream? Were they sitting there and they were like, hey, look, uh, Simeon's, you know, celebrating and saying, this is the Messiah. And Mary's like, I had no idea. Joseph's like, well, you got me there. No, see, there's something else going on here that's amazing. Listen what he says again. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Yeah, they knew that. They knew that. Which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. Skip for a second. The glory of your people Israel. They knew that. But listen what Simeon said. He said, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And what Simeon was saying, he's holding this baby, he's holding the Messiah, and he says, this is the Messiah, the Messiah for all people. This is the salvation to all people. Simeon looks at them and he says, he's for all, y'all, all. And can you imagine? They look and they go, now we get it. Now we get it. This is the Messiah for everyone. So they marveled. Friends, this happens to all of us at one time or another. This happens to all of us when we realize that God's love, grace, and mercy knows no bounds. We all marvel when we finally recognize and see that his love is for everyone. That should make us absolutely stop in our tracks, marvel at the incredible reality of that, that he has come for all. Initially understood through the lens of the people of Israel in Simeon, we see that Jesus was the promised Messiah who would bring salvation to all people. No limit to God's love. No limit to God's grace. No limit to God's mercy. Into the story of hope, promise, and salvation, every single one of us has been invited. Many years later, the Apostle Paul, a follower of Jesus who shared Jesus all over the Roman Empire, shared a letter to a group of people in a region called Galatia. And in this letter to these churches, Paul reassured them that this invitation was for all people. That in Christ, all were welcome to this table of faith that was being built. And listen what he said as he, as he wrote this to them. He wrote this. He said, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, nor is there male and female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And and as an heir, you belong to a new family. And what Paul says is that this family, everyone is a part of this family. This passage in in Galatians, this 3.28, was most likely part of baptism. It was an opportunity for people as they became a part of this new family to say this, 
to recognize this. This was an expectation. You know how we think about what are the things that matter? What are the things that are important? What are the non-negotiables of faith? This was a non-negotiable of faith. For people to understand that all belonged at his table, that all were welcome to receive his salvation, that all were a part of the story of hope and promise and faith that was being written. That is a non-negotiable of faith. Think about that. That when we think about what it means to believe, that as we believe, as we are invited, we recognize then that everyone around us is invited as well. We recognize that no longer are we the gatekeepers of the story. We are the people heralding the story to others. That we are the ones grabbing a megaphone and a microphone and anything that we can find and telling the world about, what is it? The good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus. He goes on in chapter four and he says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. So there goes back to the heirs, to the part of the family. He says, because you are his son, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. He says, no longer was the Holy Spirit for these people at this time, for this purpose. The Holy Spirit is given to all people. He says, imagine this. He says, not just, not just as Jesus for everyone, but his Holy Spirit is for everyone. He has purpose. He has work to do in every single life. He says, so, so, so God sent the Spirit of Son in our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father, that we have the same dad. He says, so you're no longer a slave. You are God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. God had rescued his people from slavery from Egypt. Now everyone was rescued from sin and death. He says, you are no longer a slave. And what he's saying is he's saying, I'm making a parallel to a story that you know, the story of hope, the story of promise, the story of, of slavery to freedom that you read about for the Jewish people. He said, that is, that is for all people. Everyone is freed. Everyone finds freedom in Christ. He said, you are no longer a slave to sin and death because of Jesus. You now have new life. And so into this story now, we continue. We have his birth, now his life. We will, we will talk about his death, and we will celebrate his resurrection. And in that, friends, over the next few months, we will see our own story paralleled. An invitation to accept his work in our hearts that we may be born again, to live again, to let go of our old lives and experience the power of his resurrection. That is good news. See, when we look at Jesus, it's incredible to think. We see his birth. We see his life. We see his death. We see his resurrection. And we see in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, we see an invitation to follow that path in our own lives. Be born again. Follow him into new life. Die to our old selves. Be born and resurrected into new life found in Jesus. 
So the question is, will you enter this new year? Will you enter this story? Will you follow the way of Jesus and allow his life, death, and resurrection to be made alive in you through the power of the Spirit? When we do that, the words we read at the beginning of the service come alive in us. Listen to this, Isaiah 61.10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, arrayed me in a hope of his righteousness. When we look at his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection, as we see that as an invitation to accept him into our lives, to follow him, to experience that rebirth in our lives, we live this out. We rejoice in God. We see his salvation upon us, his righteousness coming through us but only because we chose to follow. So the question is really, what are we waiting for? I mean, all of us come into a new year and we go, oh, this year's gonna be different. This year's gonna look, I'm gonna work out more. This year's gonna look different. I'm gonna work harder. This year's gonna look different. I'm gonna do this or do this or do this. And really the invitation, the only way for this next year to match the hype that we're always overpromised is to follow Jesus. Because I promise you, there is no hype there. That, that isn't some kind of just, oh yeah, this will be great. It is the biggest decision you could ever make that will make the most change in your life that you could ever begin to imagine. And what would happen if the people in this room, if all of us said, yeah, I choose that. I choose that God's spirit would work through my life. Change me. Change this world. Bring his love and his grace and his mercy into this world through me and through us. And may we be the church this next year that stands out and shouts, this good news is for everyone. Not just a few, someone's, but anyone and everyone. That is good news. That makes you want to rejoice and shout and sing. So let's do that. <laughs> the band's going to come back up and we are going to sing and we are going to praise and we are going to rejoice because the good news is good news for who? Everyone. For you and for me and for who? Oh, come on. The good news is for everyone. Now stand up. Let's sing. <laughs> oh, I bet you got to get your guitar on. Let me pray as you do that. God, we are so thankful for this story that we are invited into this story. This isn't a story that we read just on the pages, but a story that comes alive as your Holy Spirit works in and through each and every one of us. God, it is good news because it is good news. Your salvation has come for all people. God, may we accept that. May we be thankful for it. May it change our hearts and change our lives. May your grace and your mercy, your goodness, your love and compassion, your justice and your righteousness, just 
absolutely pour into us and out of us, into this city, into this world, into our neighborhoods and our families. May we live out the way of Jesus this year in new ways. May you just continue to work through us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.